and welcome everybody to a new episode of the Advanced Real Estate Talk. It's Aurelia, I'm here with Glenn and Darcy, co-hosts. And today we will be discussing problem solving. And at the core of any business endeavor, any role with responsibility, you solve problems. It's no different with real estate. And that's what we'll, we will be shedding light on today. Um, Glenn, would you like to get us started? Sure. So like, like Gary just said, like a, a lot of, um, a lot of doing real estate in general, anything that has a lot of people involved is going to involve a lot of problem solving. Um, and there's problem solving that is, you know, people related, there's problem solving that is scope related, other things really, we're doing renovations, there's a lot of different moving pieces. Um, so the way I looked at this is I could like just talk about, um, you know, solving problems, but I, I decided to go the other way and just get you an example of like one time we did solve a problem and oh, some, 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 some things we took away from it. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I like stories, right. If you, uh, if you take my coaching class, it's usually a story and then a, a lot of breakaways about how, how, what we did from this. Right. Um, so in our case, uh, before we bought the property, we had the contractor go and scope it out. Like what you always would. And it was a four when I'm buying a fourplex, I definitely at least want to know if the utilities are split. In this case, uh, I was only looking at this time for properties that the, four, the utilities were already split. I didn't want to have to deal with that expense. Um, so the contractor told me, yes, the fourplex has been split, four meters, four panels, and you should be good. And gave me a full scope broken down by unit how we were going to do this whole project. Um, we bought the property, we started working on the project, and after about a month, uh, the contractor came back and said, oh, by the way, um, are you guys interested in splitting the units? And I'm like, what do you mean? It's already split. And he's like, no, it isn't split. It's one, <laughs> one panel, one thing. And I'm just going, what? What are you talking about? I, if I was going to do this project, it should have been in the scope because I intentionally, whenever I'm buying something that small, townhouse style, fourplex, like beside each other units, I want them split out. I want them to be treated like they're in a townhouse. That's how I want their mentality to be. I want it all, each thing split out. Um, so uh, we had to go back to the drawing board. We had, I wanted this to be split out. So we got um, an electrical, con uh, sorry, yeah, electrical contractor or electrician to come in and bid out redoing this or just rewiring it. And the first contractor said, no, we cannot go and, uh, use the existing wires. We're going to have to run all new electrical, all new panels because they're uh, from the 80s. They're out of date. So new panels, new everything. Everything is full done. He said, so what are we looking at? $35,000. This project had about a $50,000, maybe thirty-five dollars to $50,000 profit in it from when we were done. And we were already at thirty-five dollars over in the first month from this this quote. And this is one of those things you're going, my goodness, we're all in so much trouble. So the steps I went through the next is first, well, maybe there's someone else who is smarter at this. <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to get another contractor to look, or another electrician to look at this. And I got another one and then another one and then another one and another one. And I kept getting the same feedback. So I've gotten to a point where I'm beating a dead horse and it doesn't make any sense. The path we're going down isn't working. Um, all of the electricians are saying it's going to be in the $30,000 range. All of them are saying a full rewire. They can't use anything that's existing. 
and I was defeated. I was also having some other problems with the contractor with uh, adding things to scope. Um, but so at that point, I was entertaining a new contractors and having them come into the property when the existing contractor wasn't there to see if we could switch them out, right? Um, because things weren't working the way I wanted to. So we got the new contractor in, and this is how I found my contractor that I worked. The person came in and they looked at the same project. And this is, this doesn't mean that I am the great visionary about solving the problems. It's about finding people that are good at solving problems and hunting and being resilient and not giving up. But after all these people and a couple months had passed, uh, we were working on other parts of the renovation that we could do like the outsides, but we got down to this and if one contractor comes in and goes, Okay, it's going to be like just as a glance, uh, it's probably going to be about $30,000 electrical rewire. And I go, yeah, I know that. And they go, I do have a suggestion that's much cheaper if you're open to it. And I'm like, I'm open to hearing anything. It doesn't mean I'll go with it. And they said, what about this? We take a circular saw, we go around the entire house, and we cut about a one inch gap in the drywall through the entire house, everywhere. And now we can run the electrical really easy. Because we can, don't have to, what you're paying for with these, um, the electric quote is running up into the attic or running down into the basement and running back up and running down and running up and oh, so much labor in doing this. If we just cut a strip out of it, instantly the project is these people, the electricians can run their thing. It changes their scope. The amount of time it's going to take drops immensely. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a good thing. How much does that drop off? Not a lot, a little bit, right? But replacing that drywall, we're already doing a, a lot of drywall repair through this. So it won't really change your budget on the drywall at all. And I'm like, okay, well, that's good. Well, what's the, what, what about the, how do we bring this price down? They said, well, now that we have it nice and open, we've cut down the cost and the time that's involved. Um, how do you feel about hiring uh, an apprentice instead of an electrician to pull all the wires and then we have the electrician come in and all they're in charge of is hooking the outlets on hooking the switches on everything's hanging out of the wall right where they need it and they come in for one day energize the panel and and hook up do all the hookups because that's what you need the license for and that's all we do okay what does that change the budget let me let me bid it out they come back the next day we can get it down to eight thousand dollars eight thousand dollars for a full rewire and that's that's my problem solving. My biggest problem solving accomplishment is it was a huge loss that we turned it into uh, a reasonable loss, an $8,000 loss. But now we can say to the um, insurance, to anyone who wants to buy this at some point, this has had a full electrical rewire, which is valuable because it's right fresh. It's not 80s wiring. Uh, and at the same time, we also rewired and created another uh, unit perhaps. Um, the basement, when we split this up, I have two fourplexes next door to each other. And one of them, the first one, we let them have the basement. So it was basically like, um, you know, straight down like a townhouse and you have the basement as well. But on the second one, we decided we were only going to give them the upstairs because there is access to the basement and where our hopes were would add two more units. We couldn't get permits for the two units. But now I have a because <laughs> we've already done the renovation. We now have this basement that is completely detached from the houses. They're not part of them anymore. So what we are doing is putting in electric coin laundry, um, like a shared unit. Um, we could rent it for some storage uh, and we'll make some extra money on top of the rent. So both units, they were charging 750 a unit next door. And this one's charging 750 a unit next door, but it also is gonna have the ability to make extra money in the basement. Nice. Low income, nice. Yeah.
just by splitting it up a little bit different chat because our hope was this change it into a sixplex but couldn't get permitting for it okay that's good i think there's anyway. some there's some principles here yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i was thinking of the, how i do problem solving and by nature i hate being forced um i'm a bit stubborn at some points especially when it comes to solving problems and spending other people's money because i'm of course, I'm spending mine, but I'm also spending my partner's money. Right. So I don't like to be rushed. And often, you know, that old maxim, haste makes waste. You feel compelled to make a decision quickly because people are all looking at you with their hands, you know, hanging down and they think their time is more important than you to think. And you can be rushed into a bad or a hasty decision because they're impatient. I, you know, by nature, I like to close late. I like to see all the options. And Glenn described exactly how I would do parts of this. Um, yeah. I'd wait it out. If there's no urgency to make a decision right the second, I won't. I'll go, mm, okay, let me think about it. I'll call you back. I'll call you back. I'll call you back, but I need to think on this. And then I'll talk it out, like in the way Glenn described it. I'm sure he, he processes outside of his head too, just like me. He probably said all of this stuff to the steering wheel or the inside of your windshield as you're driving, thinking it through. I'll think it all through and speak it out loud so we'll see if it sounds crazy. Yeah. Um, but there's no, you know, unless there's really urgency, like it's on fire, you don't have to make a quick decision because quick decisions, you don't get to look at everything in the field. And that's one of my rules. I won't be pushed. Um, I'll sit this down and wait and figure it out until a better solution comes along. If one doesn't present itself, then I'm compelled to do something. Um, you know, there's a difference between problems too. Simple problems usually have simple answers. You know, where, where is my screwdriver? It's over there. A complex problem like this is not solved simply. There's not just one quick fix. If you look, Glenn described at least three different fixes here. He changed the nature of the, of the problem from wiring vertically to wiring horizontally, which the other guys were not thinking. So he turned the whole problem on its axis 180 degrees. And there's a metaphor there. If you turn the problem upside down or into a different perspective, you've got a different kind of problem and different solutions applied. So Glenn hmm. moved it from a vertical problem to a horizontal problem, actually physically cut right around the walls. He then changed the nature of the people working on it from you know, the, um, uh, journeyman to apprentices and then used a journeyman to do the tie off at the end. Brilliant, he just solved a big problem. And out of that came an option to create new spaces because of what they were able to accomplish. I mean, that's a classic good, good solution. It's complex because you've got several elements involved. You're now involved with the drywallers back in your first problem and you're changing the nature of their job. So you're gonna add to your drywall budget but you shave $24,000 off his electrical budget. And there's no way you spend $24,000 more on your drywall. So, no. so you moved your problem from one domain on an electrical problem into two different and split it. And by doing so, you've changed the nature of the problem. And that's often how good solutions are found. You know, it's, it's interesting. I was discussing this with my daughter and we're talking about climate change, which is a complex problem. It's not a simple problem. It's not a simple thing like saying we don't use cars anymore because that's what some people want. They want a silver bullet makes it easy so they don't have to think or suffer. It's easy. The rich should never use cars again or fly. End of problem. There we go. Simple solution. Except that's not a, simple, that's not a solution. It means all of us are going to have to use some complex tools. Um, there's a book, I think it's called, it was the New York Times bestseller, 2017. Um, 100 of the Best Solutions for Climate Change. Uh, it's edited by uh, a guy named Hawkins. I'd, I'd look it up. Because it talks about everything from recycling plastic to changing the way that we do agriculture to um, uh, solar, nuclear, wind turbines, salt, salination, all these problems we have. And these are sticky 
complex problems. And, you know, the rule applies there. There's no simple solution. There's lots of little solutions. And when you're managing projects, you're constantly coming up with a host of little linked solutions. Fix this, then you fix this, and the next thing beside it, this thing beside that, in a chain of you know causes and outcomes. Um, I think you know moral problems are usually easy. Should I steal? No. You know, <laughs> should I cheat? No. Moral problems are never hard. You know what the right answer is, and it's it you know it's a part of a heuristic or a rule of thumb that you use for the next thing. Should I cheat? No. So that's easy to to put take that out as the solution. Um, oftentimes, like lens, when you talk this out and slow it down, you can get to the question and the real problem. It just takes time to cut the other stuff away. Um, in science, uh, they often use Occam's razor or an idea like that. You probably remember it from grade 11 science. When you cut away all the extraneous stuff, you get down to the actual problem. So what is it actually about? And you cut away all the details and you get to what the problem is. And usually when you get to that, you find you have a complex problem that's thorny and difficult and that you have to apply several solutions to. But um, that's why they pay you to be the lead investor or the expert in this project. That's what you're there for. And if you're frustrated by that, then maybe you should be on the investor side and not solving the problems. But um, I, you know, it's problems are trouble, but I actually kind of welcome them. It's something to chew on. I mean, it's why we're here, isn't it? Yep. Keeps you alive. All, all the stress keeps you alive. Keeps the heart pumping. Yeah. And as you, when you were talking, you were saying uh, like at the start, like I, I do a lot of that with the, the step back. You're talking like yell to the windshield and everything else. I never yell at my contractors ever. Never. Um, never. Uh, it doesn't solve anything. Um, and I always like, like I've said, in, even in this show, as I step back, I like to put someone above myself step back, say I need a second to talk to them. And even if I don't need to talk to them, it gives me a breather to come back and say something more rational. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a good rule too is ask yourself, is this my problem? So sometimes you'll take on other people's problems, their staffing problem. Ooh, that's, that's not a good your point. problem. That is not your problem. If you have a contract and an outcome and you paid for something and they start talking about their staffing or this is slow or that is slow, that is not your problem. It will cause problems for you but that is not your problem to solve. And you don't get involved in somebody's other business and start saying, well, you should do this. And you tell me how you're going to solve your problems because that's not my problem. It's, it's quite common with my, uh, my employees, and my contractors to push their problems up and they manage up, they manage me. Uh, <laughs> it's a challenge for me to push it back down. How are you going to solve that? That's well, you just, you, you just described another way to solve problems is to give it to somebody else. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's what in your story as well. It's what <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's common. Someone will make their their problem your problem because that's how they solve them. Yeah, you know, like for instance, every day in my house, where's my cell phone? Someone's asking. <laughs> where's my keys? Where's my boots? Where's my coat? Where's the this? And I, I just try, I because it's tempting because you want a dad or because you're a person that's quite diligent with keeping your stuff in place to help other people, and it drives me crazy when things are lost. I just have to hold my tongue. That is not my problem. I'm not going to get involved in that. I'm just going to leave. So I do. It's hard. Sorry. All right. What about you? Well, yeah. I think uh, I think in real estate uh, we we buy problems. Uh, we buy yes. problem property yep. in commercial real estate, in residential. Either it's vacancy. 
under market rents and, and your business plan, our business plan describes how we will be fixing those problems. And um, recently I was talking to a contractor uh, who used the word nightmare and, and I told him it's not a nightmare, it's a, it's a frozen pipe. How do we fix it <laughs> in, in a sustainable way so it doesn't happen again? So I think to, to solve problems, you need to first begin by having a, an accurate perception of reality and, you know, with no added negativity or negative attitude, which leads me into the mindset and positivity of problems. Um, we, you know, it's, it's, a, it's key to, uh, you know, as much as possible to welcome problems as opportunities to learn and improve our skills. Um, when you become an, becoming an expert at something means that you've, you have faced and over, overcome most problems that in that industry or that line of work. And uh, that's why people turn to, as, as, turn to you as the expert, because, because you've, you've, you've found solutions for those, those problems. Yep. Yep. Totally oh, agree. And, and like what Ari's saying is like money is made by finding solutions to other people's problems. That's how like wholesaling works. That's how real estate works. That's how life works. If you're good at solving problems, um, at some point you're, you know, you, you, at least the way I end up, my life works. That you, you do it, and you do it, and you do it, and eventually it all works and starts to come back the other way. But you have to put it out a lot first. <laughs> you do a lot of work for free first, and then, and that's a, the hard step that people don't like. Um, is the, is the hard part of not getting paid for stuff. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Cool. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for your insights, guys. And uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, as usual, if you have a question you'd like us to answer to cover during the show, please email it to us at advancedreitalk at gmail.com. It's advancedreitalk at gmail.com. And it will be our pleasure to, um, to discuss it. And uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.